of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? Great night to be a Mountaineer, wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday the 25th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths has delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nicewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning, Jordan. How are we doing? I'm doing fantastic, actually. I had a really good evening. <laughs> well, what happened? <laughs> it's good. Well, first of all, as you, you guys see, my birthday present that I gave myself, my mm-hmm. New York Giants 86 Juan Barkley jersey came in yesterday, so I was ecstatic about that. And as well, I got some really good news about my old Sonata. It looks like that might be getting under warranty. That engine kind of kind of crapped the bed on me there towards the uh, April, and it looks like if things go right, I should be driving it by Christmas time. So no more so, Corolla. So no more. Well, that's a that's an 04 Honda Civic out there. Or Honda Civic. Line, Honda it's, Civic. That, that Civic's starting to sound like a spaceship, my friend. It's hey, and you it, guy. You don't have a whole lot of room to talk here, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just so bad because anytime I start that Civic up, it just makes this awful screeching noise. I'm not going to replicate it for gun. our viewers' sake, but it's it's <laughs> awful. It is an awful sound, and I'm so embarrassed if anyone hears it. Isn't it always the timing belt? When it squeals, and that what they always say. I don't say. know anything about cars. <laughs> I don't either. I know to put I oil in it and fill it up with gas. Yeah, there you go. And then maybe go get the oil change every once in a while. Yeah. Every once Whenever in a while. Whenever you think yeah. about it, right? Once every couple of years. <laughs> but you can text us 304 263 4321. Let's get in uh, to a little Shepherd football talk because a couple of the polls came out over the, well, last night. And in the AFCA poll, uh, Shepherd is ranked third. And in the D2Football.com poll, Shepard is ranked sixth. So Shepard moves up a spot in the one that matters, but they remain at six in the opinion poll from the D2.com reporters. What is it with Shepard still not necessarily at least looking like they're getting the respect from the reporters, but obviously getting the respect where it counts? I honestly thought at this point that Cal or Kutztown would make a push to get back further into the top 25, and they just haven't. And those are the quality ones that you're looking at at the beginning of the season. You know, your non-conference schedule, you didn't really pick up any world beaters because a lot of the world beaters in this area don't want to play you. So your strength of schedule is the biggest thing that's hurting you right now uh, in the eyes of you know these other schools in Texas like Angelo State that have to play people that are ahead of you, the Grand Valley State that played Ferris Strait, state excuse me that's ahead of you uh, and other teams from those regions as well is the only thing that comes to mind but at some point there's only so much that Shepard can control and they've controlled everything that they can they've beaten good teams they've beaten very bad teams very badly 
You know, I, I think they've done everything right, and there's only so much they can do. And only number two in the regional rankings, which is brutal because that, mm-hmm. as it stands right now, they wouldn't get a bye, which is crucial in postseason. You know, the difference between having to play another game and not is crucial in postseason football play. So it it, it becomes a bit of a head scratcher again. Strength the schedule is the only thing that comes to my mind. But at, again, at the end of the day, there's only so much a team in their position can do. Yeah, I think that is really the only thing is strength the schedule. But I don't know. You can only say the same thing, you know, so many different times. Now, I think as it stands with how the everything's shaking out, uh, it will be the Peace Lake Championship, championship game will be hosted by the West. So that does kind of throw a little wrench into things as well. But mm-hmm. um, what do you think, Park? Well, I think from I think you guys said it best. It's just there's not much the Rams can do right now. It's just how their schedule is. And, you know, if Kutztown doesn't lay that egg against a substitute in week one, that's a much better win mm. than what it is. Because if they don't lay – again, it was a 3 nothing loss right at the start of the season. If Kutztown doesn't lose that game, Kutztown's 7-1 and one right now. So, And the only loss would be against Shepard. So that's, that's the biggest win probably in their cap for this season. The Cal game was another close one. And it's just a little bit of me wants me to see them play – well, they probably won't be able to play Slippery Rock before the PSAC Championship game just to get that ranked opponent in in Slippery Rock to see how that would go. And from all accounts, it looks like we're setting up towards Shepard and IUP in the PSAC Championship game. And if all goes to fruition there, the Rams can make a statement in that one. And at IUP would be fun, too. They'd have us up in the Crow's Nest. Oh, they I've had heard, last year. Oh, yeah. heard pretty crazy things about The Crow's that. Nest is an interesting spot. It will definitely be interesting. It was nice at the beginning of the season last year being up there with a the breeze and everything, but I'm sure that'd be a little bit colder uh, come the PSAT championship game. But the good news continues on for Shepherd football. Tyson Bajan and Dwayne Grantham, both named PSAC, or both earned PSAC weekly honors, uh, defensive athlete of the week and offensive athlete of the week. Grantham having eight tackles total in the game is pretty crazy. Three solo tackles. I uh, had two tackles for two and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks and an interception, pretty much a well-rounded game for him. And of course, Bajan did Bajan things 29 for 34 for 296. Yeah. And well-deserved. You know, at this point last season, I think Bajan had racked up a little bit more hardware in that regard. Uh, but, you know, for better reasons this year, he hasn't been able to be the PSAC player of the East as much as he'd like because of Ronnie Brown, Marlon Cook, guys like that that have stepped into bigger roles, uh, which have made things easier on him. And then Grantham is the most complete linebacker, I think, in the conference mm-hmm. uh, against the run. Uh, he's got a couple of TFLs last year, put pressure on the quarterback, and then, you know, is among the team leader in interceptions and a defense that's in the top in the nation in takeaways and leads the nation in defensive touchdowns. Uh, and he has a lot to do with that with anybody. So well-deserved uh, for Grantham. You know, it's been a circuitous route for him, like we've talked about in the past. You know, was linked to go to WVU. Uh, that didn't work out. Goes to Lackawanna, now ends up here at Shepard from a converted line, or rather running back to linebacker. And it's great to see his career grow, and he could be the next line of Shepard players, probably not this season, but the next season, drawing interest uh, from the professional ranks. And he and this is a crazy stat line. Eight total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks and an interception. What a what a showcase. And I've mentioned it before. What an add Dwayne Grantham has been to that defense. He's been a rover for him. He's not a traditional linebacker. He's kind of that hybrid safety that you've seen more in the NFL now. He plays in the middle of the field, rovers all over the place, agile, can pass rush when you need him to. He's he's making plays all over that defense, and guys are benefiting from. You got guys like Kyle Smith and Malik Callaway are getting more looks on the edge to get their sack totals up. 
the linebackers around him are playing really good. Devin Lynch, those guys are benefiting from Dwayne Grantham being in there, and it takes pressure off the secondary that's had shaky moments this season but are really coming together, I think, in the second half. When you talk about Ronnie Brown, it's fun now in this uh, age of NIL deals and whatnot. Of course, you've probably seen Tyson on some billboards around the area and whatnot, but Ronnie Brown's got his own NIL deal. I don't know if you guys saw it with with uh, Brown's Tire and Auto, hometown Ronnie Brown and touchdown Ronnie Brown, <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. It's got a cool little... Uh, banner for that too but I think that's it's always cool to see the other guys starting to get some recognition and you know rightfully so for Ronnie with how good of a season he is I mean second in the nation in all-purpose yards and starting to add a little bit different wrinkle to uh you know the passing game with him going out on some different routes and things so this uh Shepard team pretty exciting as they go down the stretch of course got uh Bloomsburg for senior day and military appreciation day on Saturday at Ram Stadium from what I understand there's some whispers of some pretty uh, fun and entertaining uh, pregame ceremony things happening. You're going to be there for that, right, Parker? Yeah, I'll be with you guys. So you're going to have a pretty good spot for uh, all that. From what I understand, now I can't uh, <laughs> mention too much because I don't know too much about it, but you can listen to that play-by-play uh, with myself and Luke and Parker over on 95.9 The Big Dog on Saturday starting at 11 a.m. Now going towards uh, different football field action. I guess we can start calling it the pitch now uh, as we're talking about soccer. High school soccer regionals final start tonight. we got Spring Mills in Washington uh, boys and then Hedgesville and Washington girls. Yeah, this is the big dance. This is the, the EPAC Soccer Super Bowl if you will. Spot in the state tournament on the line uh, in the boys' side of things, like you mentioned, Spring Mills are the heavy, heavy favorite in this one. But Washington, they're so well coached. Uh, and the way that they've won their games in dramatic fashion means that there's just a tough team to beat right now. They play that unique 3-5-2 uh, with the winners that coach that team. And they can give a team like Spring Mills fits. But you think about the Briggs brothers and the Landsbergers. And just the amount of elite talent, individual talent that Spring Mills has that's been cultivated in that system by Coach Suazo uh, to be more of a possessive-based system than it was a, a year ago. Spring Mills, again, the favorite in boys' teams, but Washington is a tough team to beat. And then the girls' side of things, again, you mentioned unique schemes in coaching. Both teams that want to possess the ball uh, in Hedgesville and Washington, uh, both teams, again, that are battle-tested here in the postseason. That one, it's a little bit harder to say who the favorite would be. I'd say Washington based on their run of form, but then you would say that Hedgesville might be the more talented team. Uh, but nonetheless, the boys play at 5 o'clock at Martinsburg High School. It's a neutral site. And then 7 o'clock for the girls uh, directly following it. But, of course, uh, you can follow along with the updates on our Twitter page, at EP News Network. And we'll catch up with both coaches, maybe some players as well, from the victorious teams and have that on the show tomorrow. Man, big-time EPAC soccer going on. Uh, that's Well, you're going to have a nice day to go sit and watch a couple of soccer games. Yeah, exactly. It seems as though we've got a couple of jewels here in a row after we had a, a pretty chilly weekend. I know, 70s? Man, I'm love into it. that, Parker. I, I love me some warm weather this time of the year. It's like the last breeze of the tail end of summer is coming this week, and then going to get all cold. Although next week, it looks like middle of the week supposed to be in the 70s again. It's, now, this time of the year is always weird because it's 70 one day, and then it's like it's, 40. I was talking to Jordan about it. You, you crank your, your heater and your defroster when you come into work, but then in the afternoon you got your AC on, man. windows down. It's, it's something that makes, it, man. That's what makes my car make spaceships now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like there's somebody in uh, Luke's dashboard just, just knocking on the out. window. <laughs> trying to get out of it. Let me out of here. <laughs> Every time he does it. But I saw you typing it, and I tried to beat stop you from typing it because I already had it typed out for you, Parker, <laughs> talking about the uh, Shepherd women's vo- or Shepherd volleyball team, PSAC East Athlete of the Week, is uh, Ellis. She uh, ended up having a pretty good game against East Strasburg. 39 digs uh, in two victories last week. Uh, pretty good Shepherd volleyball team. Claire Ellis, by the way, is her full name. 
But uh, this Shepherd team, they went through a little bit of a rough stretch uh, there about, what was it, about three weeks, I guess, about maybe a month a stretch where they weren't really winning too many games. And this has been usually such a good Shepherd uh, volleyball program. But in good program fashion, they righted the ship. They got to, you know, going the right way. And now they're starting to win some games again. Yeah, they struggled the first half of September, starting on September the 3rd. They dropped their, uh, I think it was the final of a tournament and they lost at IUP, get swept by Cal. You lose to Fairmont State, Shippensburg, East Strasburg. In that run, you lose six straight, and you're questioning what's going on with a women's volleyball team for Shepard that's usually pretty good. They've rattled off eight straight. They're rolling right now, and they're looking good heading into PSAC play their season. They've got at Lock Haven this Friday, at Bloomsburg this Saturday, and then their final two home games will be November the 4th and 5th in the Butcher Center. you got Westchester for senior night, and then you got Millersville. That uh, Westchester game, 7 o'clock on November the 4th. Millersville will be Saturday at 2 on November the 5th. Now, I'm trying to find uh, this video because I was just scrolling through TikTok, uh, and you talk about Mountain East play. Uh, I was scrolling through TikTok yesterday, and I saw a uh, post that had an expletive and then Frostburg. So I'm not going to say what the word is, but Frostburg. You okay? can assume, you can assume what it is. You, yeah, you can assume. And, um, well, it's these kids from Wheeling Park on the football team uh, – just going after Frostburg after their win, which I think is hilarious, both hilarious and super toxic. And do you think these kids are probably going to get in trouble for that? I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. I would assume so. As far as th- I saw where you sent me that, I think it's I think it's like over 20,000 likes on TikTok. So There's people people have seen it. So it's... Uh, I mean, it's nothing bad, but still. Still, it's not a, it's not a look you want. Again, we, we had a conversation about that yesterday. Like you, as if you're an athlete, you don't want to post anything. You don't want your grandma to see. That was the uh, spiel that uh, shout out to former Concord University women's basketball coach Kenny Osborne. He always told us that when we did the, uh, the kind of the preseason kind of spiel. Like, all right, don't do this, don't do that. Kind of the NCAA compliance. That was the word I was looking for, but. Yeah, don't do anything your grandma wouldn't see is the best way to go about it, I think. And <laughs> that uh, Wheeling team, they're shockingly really good this year. They just got their football program. Say like 20, what was it, 2011 or something? Or when did they start? 15 they just, even maybe? They was, just wasn't got it when they dropped the name because they were Wheeling Jesuit yeah, and now they're just I th- Wheeling? Isn't I think that they when they added football, football back? They added football back when I was still yeah, in school there. So it was like 20, maybe like 2018. So yeah. Yeah, their program was- hasn't been back for too long. I mean, see, football's fun. I mean, I, I I think we've nailed down at this point that Shepard probably made the right decision yeah. going yeah. to the PSAC. But at least nationally. Yeah, the, yeah. the Mountain East Conference, it's starting to get better. Fairmont's starting to get a little bit better. Dave Walker, obviously, we talked about Yeah, Concord's about Concord. back, which is nice. It's a fun little league. And the rivalries that they have, you know, that when those teams play each other again next year is going to be... Uh, it's going to be spicy and a little bit tantalizing, but that's a that's a that's a fun football conference. Western State's looking pretty good this year too. They got a big win over Concord last weekend. So. Yeah, that was a tough one for yeah, Concord. Yeah, that, that was that, that, that was might, rough. That I'm, might have knocked Concord out of the chance to make the uh, the postseason. Yeah, which is which is rough. I've absolutely been so happy to see Concord good at football. Like they haven't been good in football since I think like 2013 or 2014, and it's I've, this is like the first. I think this is the first time they've been regionally ranked since. It's been almost a decade, which is speaks to levels of what Dave Walker has done to that program in just really almost a year and a half. Because I would don't even, I wouldn't even really count that COVID year. He got hired right before COVID hit, 
So he's really only had about a year and a half with the program. So it's really impressive. So here's your young program stat of the day. So Wheeling football started in 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, They began playing the 2019 season and recorded their first win on November 17th with a 27-20 win over Concord. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that, was right? one, that was one of that. That might have been the one in 10 season Concord yeah. had. Well, the Cardinals then went on to finish their inaugural season with a record of 1-10. and 10. Yep. So Shout go. out to uh, go kitties, right? Okay. Roll, roll kitties. Roll kitties. There was there was a dark era before Coach Walker came there. I won't I won't say oh. whose era it was, but by the way, I saw that Frostburg uh, is also saying roll kitties. So who who's the, the real kitties? ones? Well, who won? Who won this year? Concord. So. Oh man, you're as bad as those wheeling kids. Facts only. Yeah, you're as bad as those wheeling wait, kids wait on TikTok. Park, Parker's TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Let's stick right after the break. We're going to talk EPAC football because it's going to be another busy weekend. And of course, we have our Panhandle Game of the Week. We will announce that here after the break on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Before we get to our Panhandle game of the week for this week, Parker, you got a uh, one final home game scheduled at Morgan Field on Friday. Yeah, the Tribe are going to play Wheeling Central Catholic at home. To, they'll be their senior night, so that game will be on 92.9 WXDC starting at 6.50. We'll bring the pregame for you and wrap up the Tribe season over that way, which, crazy enough, I was uh, – of course, we had Gavin Young on yesterday, talked a little bit with him about his fibulin entry and everything. So I get to talking with his dad later in the afternoon, and they're at the doctor. It turns out the injury wasn't as bad as initially thought. Oh, that's great. He's, he's still not going to play just for reasons, but he's going to – be good in like three weeks good for basketball what, season right yeah so he'll be ready to roll right at the start of basketball season so good for him when does good. basketball season start for the tribe do you know offhand yet? um not off the top of my head i would say probably i don't blame you for not looking start. towards basketball yet i mean i'm i'm a little i'm getting a little excitement for basketball just because this again well, not, yeah i don't yeah. mean not looking to, i mean like physically not looking towards it not like not, no not right now yeah. no just <laughs> i'd say probably start at december is probably when we're looking I, around i think we're glossing over the biggest point here which is that coming on panhandle sports live might get ah. magical healing powers hey if you if you're an athlete listening want to if you're banged up call panhandle sports live and you'll your injuries will be healed yeah it'd be great to talk to you just i hope we're not talking to you because you're missing school because your leg's broken but absolutely Give stay in school, kids. Stay yeah, in school. yeah, stay in school. Stay, call us after and we can record something. School responsibly. That's right. Or you can always text us at 304-263-4321. 304-263-4321. And, of course, uh, the high school football season is winding down all across the Panhandle. And we had a couple of interesting choices for the Panhandle Game of the Week this week. Uh, but, Luke, let the people know what we decided on. Yeah, I think they're all pretty quality choices when you look at the games that were in the Panhandle this week. Washington against Hampshire is a competitive game between two teams that maybe haven't had the best seasons for Spring Mills. Albert Gallatin is another game as Spring Mills, again, is trying to fight back to uh, to get into the postseason. Uh, Bridgeport against Musselman uh, is going to be a really well-played game. We'll have Daniel Woods from WBOY-TV coming on after the break to talk about uh, Bridgeport and a little WVU sports as well. Uh, But in the end, I think there was one clear choice, and that choice is our game of the week in Jefferson and Hedgesville. Uh, For Jefferson, they had rattled off four games in a row before they lost to Martinsburg last week. Uh, I I think we can make the argument that they're somewhat firmly solidified in the postseason, but at this point in the season, you know, there's a difference between making the postseason and making the postseason. You know, if you end up 
as with all due respect to the teams that will, you know, a 16 through a 14 seed, it's tough to advance. But for Jefferson to potentially even host in the first round or, you know, finish in the top 12 and have a chance of competing, that's what's what's at stake for them. And for Hedgesville, there's somebody that we saw in that Spring Mills game we saw earlier in the year against Washington and think, you know, this is a team that could rattle off six, seven wins, no problem with the year the talent that they had. Unfortunately, injuries cost them a couple of games and a tough loss last week at Friendship Collegiate Academy means they need to most likely, well, they have to win a game to make the postseason, but probably uh, to guarantee they make the postseason win their remaining two games. Uh, Hampshire the last week um, and then this week against Jefferson. So a spot in the postseason certainly on the line in this game uh, between two teams uh, from varying different perspectives but have very, very talented rosters. And uh, that's the game of the week, Jefferson against Hedgesville. And I think it's really important too because both these teams have a lot riding on it. Of course, Hedgesville, you're looking like if you win out, you're almost guaranteed to get yourself in. If you go one and one, you just got to hope the numbers play in your favor. So I ran a test yesterday uh, through the prognosticator. If Hedgesville finishes five and five they get in at 16 Ooh, but mm. that prognosticator is not perfect right so you don't want to be playing with those point one, point two points that could be wrong so you're right winning both is the only way to guarantee it and then on jefferson's side if you went out if you beat hedgesville and then you do do what you need to do against washington next week jefferson could be hosting a playoff game so that's there's a lot riding on it for both these teams and in an all epac affair i think it's gonna be really exciting this friday yep, your panhandle game of the week heard right here on wpm and wcst is jefferson and hedgesville on friday tune in right here for all your game coverage and uh well let us know who you think's gonna come out on top in that one text us 304-263-4321 304-263-4321 stick around We'll be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us on the line from WBOY, it's Daniel Woods. Daniel, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Appreciate you taking the time to chat with us this morning. Uh, so before we get to WVU, let's talk high school football. And let's talk Bridgeport because they're making their way over to the Panhandle this weekend. And uh, I'll have to preface this by saying Luke said this uh, last week that apparently they uh, that Bridgeport might be a little fraudulent this year with that loss last week. I mean, they tried to have a comeback late there at the end of the game, but still weren't able uh, to get that win. So what are we to expect out of a Bridgeport Indians team coming to the Panhandle? I'll tell you what, my my view changed a little bit after that game Friday. Um, we've seen this Bridgeport team that is as old school football as you can find just kind of do Bridgeport things this year. I mean, t- Coach Tyler Ferris in his second year uh, running that single wing system that has served them so well, uh, and it just kind of blew up on them on Friday against Princeton. You, you run up against a Princeton team that – is going to spread the field, has a quality quarterback in Grant Cochran, and they just got down and they did a couple unbridgeport-like things uh, in terms of turnovers, and they just couldn't really get it back. Uh, we've seen this team against similar offenses, I would argue better offenses than Princeton uh, in previous weeks. I mean, they beat Parkersburg South. Uh, they were, were right in it with, with some of the best offenses in the, in the state. Uh, running that single wing system and they'd been perfectly fine up until last week and, and it just kind of blew up but uh, to to make a long story short 
I'm not entirely what to sure what to expect uh, out of this Bridgeport team this week. I know uh, that they're going to come in, they're going to try to control the ball, and and they've got a couple of pretty doggone good running backs that are going to help them do that. Uh, well, do you think that just speaks to the complexity of what we see at the top of AAA? Because that Parkersburg South win was unbelievably impressive for a, a Patriots team that I would argue is one of the top four or five teams uh, in the class. And then, of course, they have a pretty big win against Fairmont Senior in a game that came down to the wire. Uh, but their two losses on the year are to other AAA playoff teams. Does that just kind of speak in your mind, to the the top 10 or so teams in the top of the class and how deep AAA is this year? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I said uh, in our coverage of that game, is that was an extremely important game Friday for both Princeton and Bridgeport because that AAA middle class is so deep this year. Uh, I went into that looking at a Bridgeport team that was 6-1 and one at the time and had won five straight games and said, you know, they probably have to win tonight if they want to host a playoff game. And it's it's a little strange to say that, but you look up and down the middle of AAA and you look at the fact that, okay, Morgantown's beating Bridgeport, but Bridgeport's beating Parkersburg South and Parkersburg South's beating Morgantown and all these MSAC schools have beaten each other and there's a giant circle uh, in that regard. And I think things are going to get even weirder if Wheeling Park beats Parkersburg South this week. Uh, but... At the end of the day, I think you look at Class AAA, and obviously you see Martinsburg at the top, and you have to you have to tip your hat to the Bulldogs and say, you know, these these guys, until proven otherwise, are a cut above the rest of AAA. And then you you could probably make a case to me that any of those teams have the caliber of being that second team on the island at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if it was any of them. And now looking at the uh, game this past Friday, you had the uh, Princeton and you had Bridgeport going on. The Tigers, surprisingly, have been a little bit of one of those teams that's come out of nowhere, I think, this season. Their only losses was against a tough Lord Botatot team out of Virginia that's 7-1 themselves, and then a team that's tied for number one in the SSA, SSAC rankings in Hurricane. What did you see from the Tigers, and do you, do you think they're a team that could realistically, if they went out, they got Parkersburg South at the end of the season, two wins against East and Parkersburg, you think they could be hosting a playoff game? I think it's possible. Um, I was honestly impressed with what I saw. I mean, Grant Cochran is a, a senior quarterback that's thrown for over 7,000 yards in his career now. Uh, they have a couple of, of solid running backs, younger guys, uh, that even though you lose a quarterback, I think they could cause problems for people over the next couple of years. I, I'm not sure, based on the depth of AAA with, with the, the quality of their wins, that they are a team that will necessarily host round one. But I look at that Princeton team and I say, you know they're going to be probably somewhere in that 12 13 seed mix and i i don't want to be one of those one of those teams uh, that falls in there between say 5 and 8 uh in the in the AAA playoff rankings at the end of the year uh and have princeton coming into my coming into my home stadium for the first round that's for sure uh, well, one more question I wanted to ask about this Musselman-Bridgeport matchup before maybe we turn our attention to some WVU football. Uh, you look at the games that Musselman has lost this season in uh, the Martinsburg game and Wheeling Park as well, and, and both of those games had the similar theme in that Musselman's top wide receiver and Ray Adamas is one of the best in the state, uh, was effectively neutralized from m large portions of those games. They had a couple of big receptions against Martinsburg. That one ended up not mattering. And then Jare Hawkins did a really good job shutting him down in that Wheeling Park game. Does Bridgeport have the athletes or an athlete on the outside 
that can contend against Adamas because when Bridgeport won this game last year, uh, they put up 63 points. That's not going to happen this year. I think Musselman is much better against the run with Carmichael, Cornell, Moneypenny, the guys they have uh, in their front seven. Uh, is Bridgeport then going to be able to stifle what the Applemen are able to do offensively, channeling uh, most of that air attack through one of the top wideouts in the state? It's interesting because early in the season, you looked at Bridgeport and your biggest concerns for them were that secondary uh, because there's a lot of new faces back there this season. Uh, But they've moved some guys around, and I would say there's not a certified number one lockdown guy in that secondary that you're just going to glue to Ray Adamas and say, don't let him get the football. But I think you look at what's kind of become a secondary by committee situation for Bridgeport and you look at the teams that they've played and the teams that they've beat, and they have held up well uh, against the deep passing game in particular. Uh, names that I would I would point out are, are Ty Martin and Kale Kulaserto, uh on the corners. Those are guys that it was kind of a rotation uh, at corner early in the year, but those two have have nailed down the 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 starting corner positions. And then on both sides of the ball, uh, the the guy that has really been the engine for this Bridgeport team since he came back from injury in week three is Zach Rorig. He's going to be your free safety on offense, your tailback, or free safety on defense, your tailback on offense. And he just kind of blankets things over the top for them uh, in the secondary. So you can throw the ball against this Bridgeport team, and and Princeton proved that, and statistically Parkersburg South proved that. Uh, But they've shown even even in a loss against Princeton, they don't get beat deep uh, very often. And it's because they have a couple quality corners and then they have Rorig over the top that kind of just cleans everything up. Uh, Luke, you'll you'll appreciate this as a a Las Vegas Raiders fan. He reminds me a little bit in play style, at least, of Trevon Merrick. Uh, But you look at this secondary and I had questions about it early in the year and they've answered a lot of them. And 304-263-4321 is the text line. 304-263-4321. We're speaking with Daniel Jones at WBOY. And, uh, Daniel, let's talk a little WVU football because, uh, well, a lot of people are upset with how the season's been going, and it doesn't look like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. So can you kind of talk some people, you know, uh, away from the ledge a little bit, or is there really no point in doing that at this point? It's a difficult question uh, to think about WVU football right now because it's it's been such an emotional roller coaster because, you know, you go from the Texas loss, which is just an absolute embarrassment on the road, and then you come home, you get a Thursday night against Baylor, who I still think is a very good team in the Big 12, and you you, you battle and you win, and it's an emotional win, and you know, it's it's Thursday night lights in Morgantown, and, and everyone's feeling great. And then you go out against the Texas Tech team that I generally saw as a peer of West Virginia in the Big 12 this year, and you get absolutely embarrassed. So it's it's difficult to look at this team as it sits now at three and four and confidently say you know what's coming next. I mean, you've got a number seven TCU team coming in. Uh, that that has the ability in a Sunny Dykes offense to make some extremely explosive plays against the WVU secondary that has really struggled. Uh, but other than that, I don't think there's any sure things about this team left. Uh, I, I know that the the opinions and the uh, the general morale of the fan base is, is generally down right now. Uh, but I I have a hard time looking at this team through seven games and saying I have any idea what's coming next. <laughs> 
Well, 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 have you made uh, a definitive answer in your mind that certainly something is going to change after the season with this program based on the way things are trending, whether it be that buyout with Neil Brown, you know, we talked about Paul Christ in Wisconsin and maybe being able to negotiate that down. Is that something you think could be on the table or maybe a little bit more realistically as far as WVU fans are concerned? Neil Brown may or may not have been forced to address the offensive deficiencies by bringing in Graham Harrell in the offseason and maybe having to do the same thing uh, with Jordan Leslie and the defensive coaching staff trying to bolster those ranks, uh, the athletic department forcing him to make those changes when the season's over. Uh, It's certainly possible. Uh, The way I look at things today uh, is, you know, you see a lot of people out there, Twitter, Facebook, blogs, whatever you want to say, definitively saying there's no way Neil Brown has this job after this season. And I'm not there yet. Uh, and it's, it's not because of the on-field performance, because the on-field performance, as, as I think we would all agree, uh, has generally been lacking over the last four years. Uh, but you look at this buyout situation and you look at your athletic director and Shane Lyons, and you have a situation where you generally have an athletic director who has shackled himself to this head coach. And uh, you can talk about negotiating the buyout down, uh, and you can talk about the fact that when West Virginia needs the money, there are people that will bring the money. Uh, but it's, it's a much more difficult question when you actually step to the bargaining table in college athletics, particularly in a place like West Virginia where you don't have the SEC money to to drop, you know, fifteen plus million dollars at the drop of the hat just because you have the booster support, and you have a coach that can go in with a little bit more leverage in that situation. So, I'm not convinced this is it for Neil Brown. I think there is a there is a very real situation where he does return next year, and I think there is a very real situation, as you said, that there is uh, some some clear changes on that coaching staff. Uh, I I don't typically uh, enjoy being someone to target individual assistant coaches, position coaches, et cetera. So that's not what I'm going to do here. Uh, But I think there are some pretty clear deficiencies on this team uh, in some pretty clear areas uh, that if Neil Brown were to return, I would like to see addressed. Daniel, I want to read you this tweet real quick and get your thoughts on this. Someone tweeted about West Virginia football. I just want to feel excited about WVU football again. I want to go into game day expecting to win, not expecting to lose, and pleasantly surprised if we win. To know that we'll compete each game, home or away, I want to see and feel the pride and enthusiasm from the coaches and players. Do you think that's a concern that's right Stan? now for this team? That? <laughs> that was, I was, Slim, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. <laughs> it, it's, it's a concern, I think. A lot of the fan base feels just drained, I think, and that's a thing. Yeah, so. I, Um, you know, you look at that Baylor game, and I get that it was a Thursday night game, but you've got 45,000 people in Milan Pushkar Stadium, and I, I don't remember the last time that happened. It was probably another Thursday game, but still, it was a, a Thursday game in October, and, you know, there's 15,000 open seats, and I, I understand that TCU is homecoming this week, and I expect a good crowd for that, uh, but... You know, if if you get your doors blown off at T- against TCU at home, I don't really know that anything you do against Iowa State the next week is gonna is gonna bring people out uh, for the the next home game in two weeks. So, I, I think 
it is a situation where you're starting to get some apathy from the fan base. And I think a stagnant fan base is one of the worst things that you can end up with in college sports because eventually it becomes ingrained and it's, it kind of ends up in the walls, so to speak, that you have a fan base that will be okay with mediocrity. And I'm not saying that is the situation you're in now, but I am saying the longer you allow mediocrity to progress, the more people are just going to, you know, shove it off to the side and say, that's West Virginia football now. There's nothing we can do about it. And and that is where the concern lies for me, that you allow the fan base to become stagnant if you allow mediocrity to continue for a long period of time. Speaking with Daniel Woods at WBOY, thank you for joining us this morning on Panhandle Sports Live, and have a good rest of your day, man. Thank you. You as well. And that was Daniel Woods at WBOY giving his thoughts on uh, the current status of West Virginia football and, of course, giving us a little breakdown of what to expect as Bridgeport makes their way to the Panhandle. But don't forget our Panhandle Game of the Week here on WPM and WCST is Jefferson and Hedgesville. And then we'll go to the text line, and we'll get your guys' thoughts on this before we go to the break. I'll get our text line, 304-263-4321. And this is from 304-283. It says, uh, good morning. Well, good morning right back to you. Jefferson <laughs> should handle Hedgesville High School with all the talent they have, but never know what the lack of coaching they suffer from. So uh, thoughts on that text or in the text line, 304-263-4321. I think both teams are really well coached. Um, I, I really like what Craig Hunter's doing there and the culture that he's building. And Coach Faircloth, you want to talk about culture, you know, 30 kids came out the first year he took over that football team. They didn't win a game, and now he's a game removed from making the playoffs three years later. You know, uh, I, I really like where they're at coaching-wise. Personnel-wise, it's hard to judge Hedgesville because I don't think we've seen the Eagles at full strength since week one and in that week one game you know we had some bad weather and things like that they dominated the fourth quarter and came back and won that fourth quarter of Hedgesville when they're all firing on all cylinders and playing at their highest level are just as good as Jefferson and Musselman that's why we picked this game but they've had injuries they've had you know stuff like that that has uh, made this season a little bit more difficult than it needs to be I, I understand where the text is coming from in the sense that if you've got a wounded Hedgesville team and you've got an angry Jefferson team based on how things went against Martinsburg then Jefferson could win this game by two touchdowns but if Hedgesville is close to full strength and a couple of breaks go their way and it's at home for them, then it could be the other way around. And I think that's unbiasedly, I think that's the way most people will look at it on paper. Jefferson would be, have the advantage in this game against Hedgesville by a little bit. Of course, Jefferson's coming off a loss against Martinsburg. They're going to be upset. They're going to want to prove something this week, try and host a playoff game. Hedgesville, like Luke alluded to, I don't think they've been full strength since the beginning of the season. And I brought up that stat that, excuse me, Jefferson is undefeated on the road this season so that's another wrinkle into this game as well we'll have to see how healthy the eagles are and i think that's going to be the x factor for the game how health how healthy is hedgesville coming into this friday you can always text us 304-263-4321 304-263-4321 who do you think is going to come out on top in our panhandle game of the week coming up right here on wpm and wcst on friday between jefferson and hedgesville 304-263-4321 is the text line we'll be back to wrap things up on wpm and wcst the panhandle news network it's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Well, 
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbats.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Icewinter alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And... Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, guys, lock of the day did hit yesterday. Khalil Herbert hit his over on rushing yards, so that was good. Sadly, neither one of the bonus picks hit because, shockingly, the Bears blew out the Patriots. So <laughs> I I wouldn't have called that one, but, you know, good for Chicago, good for Justin Fields. All right, now moving into NBA action for today's picks. Lock of the day, I'm going with the man Luka Doncic. Over 47.5 points, rebounds, and assist combo in this one. Luka's been playing good. He's been having Euroball. He's in shape. He's feeling great. I like Luca to hit this over tonight as he's playing the New Orleans Pelicans. Brad Beal, I got him going 20-plus points tonight in their matchup against the Pistons. I think he's going to have a really good game against a Pistons team that we really don't know too much about. And Warriors Suns will be the late game tonight. That one's going to be a scoring fest. So I'm going to say over 225 total points scored between both of these teams tonight. But again, lock of the day, Luka Doncic, 47.5 total points, rebounds, and assists. Take the over. Man, you should have got a stopwatch out for that one. That was quick. Hey, I told you it's going to be a quick round. I don't even know if you took a breath during any of that. That was pretty well done. <laughs> Thank you. Your cross-country training coming uh, coming in clutch for you there. So, yeah. Your breath control. But Texas, 304-263-4321. Who do you think is going to come out on top in our Panhandle Game of the Week this Friday between Hedgesville and Jefferson? We have one texter saying, Jefferson, well, they should handle the Eagles of Hedgesville. I'm not so sure about that. To be quite honest, uh, after seeing Jefferson a couple of times now, uh, and if Hedgesville is healthy uh, with Jackson Rue West and the like in the backfield, I mean, they are pretty tough to handle. But what do you think? 304-263-4321. Quickly, Parker, another quick kind of uh, trip around the block here. What it looked like in pro sports last night? Well, the uh, big story is two quarterbacks getting benched last night, one being announced and one being during a game. Matt Ryan is going to be benched for the rest of the season for the Indianapolis Colts. It looks like Sam Ellinger, former Texas Longhorn, and I guess he is back in this sense. He's going to be starting for the Colts for the rest of the season. And Guys, this looks like an obvious tank job from the Colts. They're going to try and get a top-five pick, get either Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young in this year's draft. The Colts are phoning it in. It's going to be a tank for the rest of the season for them. Mac Jones got benched midway through the Monday night game that brought in Bailey Zappi, who seems to be the new Tom Brady in New England right now as Mac Jones is playing the Drew Bledsoe role in this play. Mm. Um, Not sure what's next for Mac Jones. Not sure what's next for Bailey Zappi. One of these guys won't be on the Patriots roster next year. I can guarantee that. Um, Jets traded for James Robinson last night. The former Jaguars running back makes his way to New York. I mean, you kind of felt like Travis Etienne was going to be the guy in that backfield eventually. James Robertson's going to at least be the starter until Brees Hall gets healthy. And then the uh, investigation going right now in the NFL as uh, <laughs> as a referee was it's asking, awful how nonchalant you said that because it's like just another day, another NFL investigation. Yeah, it's it's just another it's another day of one of these. Uh, autograph for Mike Evans in the tunnel one of the refs after a game, so he's going to get investigated for that because you're not Wait. supposed to do that. He's getting investigated for for doing that. You're not supposed yeah. to do that as an NFL referee. He ran after Evans in the tunnel and asked him to sign. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah. I was I had two different. Uh, I saw a video, uh, maybe not money Mike Evans now, but he was moving cameramen out out of his no, way in the no, tunnel. No. That's what I thought. I was like, what? I did see that, and I was wondering what if anything was going to happen because I get both camps where people say, hey, they're fans too. They should be able to you know have their job, be professional, and do that. But I also see that as a little uh, a little slimy. And, and last bit of news here, we have the NCAA tournament coming up. There's been rumors about that been expanding. Well, 
One thing that won't be expanding is going to be Jim Nance's coverage of it because this upcoming NCAA men's tournament will be the final one that Jim Nance will be calling, and he's going to be replaced by Luke's favorite person in the world, Ian Eagle. Boo. <laughs> boo. Are they saying boo or boo earns? That's true. <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's pretty good out of you, Parker. You're getting pretty good at those quick wrap ups. Hey, so it's what we got to do. We got to hit the time post, you know? Well, when you got that Saquon jersey on, no wonder. Hey, I, I'm summoning the speed of Saquon today. It it's, is a nice jersey. It's it's nice. I'm so happy this thing came in, man. It's, it's such a nice jersey. I love it. So you're you're a, obviously a jersey wearer, not a jersey like hanger-upper or anything? Some of them will hang up. I got a big Ladanian Tomlinson jersey that's, I think it's back in my parents' place. It's like a 2X. It's never going to fit me. But mm. that, that one I want to get hanging in the shadow box at some point. Well, that does it for us here on Panhandle Sports Live today. If you missed any of it, you can listen back to it. A little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page for Luke and Parker. I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.